It could have been like an airplane by the aliens or a spacecraft or something like that. Right. You ever heard that story? Well, okay, they've uh, okay, they've brought that up probably twenty different times on Ancient Aliens, at least. Um, one thing that kind of I found out that aggravates like the shit out of me is I found out that there is a man named Lorenzo Valla. He is considered the world's first biblio scholars scholar. The world's first modern uh, criteria uh, scholar, which means he critiques anything in literature, and he's considered right. the father of historical research. He challenged uh, the Catholic Church to a bunch of stuff, and he proved that there were parts in uh, one of their Bibles written by Pope, uh, I think it was Gregory. Um, but anyways, uh, Lorenzo Valla proved that the donation of Constantine the First, which is a piece of paper, is a complete forgery, and he also proved that there was for forgery in a lot of Constantine the First's history, and it was to promote Christianity in the Catholic Church. And the whole story about that cross in the sky, uh, it was it was a dream. It was never physically there. In fact, mm. uh, the when this happened. He had an advisor. Constantine I had an advisor. Let me pull it up. His name was uh, uh, Lactantius. And everybody called him Lac Lactantius Cilios Furamentius Lactantius. Again. And he was an early Christian author. But he was also the advisor to Constantine the First, And he wrote stuff. And we still have his stuff that he wrote. And in his literature about that that war... It states mm -hmm. that Constantine the First had a dream of the cross. It was never in the sky. Right. It was a dream. He says right. that Constantine was directed in a dream to cause the heavenly sign, uh, and he was directed to instruct his soldiers to scratch and paint and mark the cross on their shields. And so that's where the Knights Templar come from. Eventually through history, they start wearing that cross. Right. So, so uh, it, all, it, all started, it all started from a dream. Yeah, yeah. It, and, well, the cross was never a physical thing. Right. So I was like, man, that's crazy. But this is well known. It's well documented in history. It's it's known. In, in fact, if you take a history class, because see, that's what I'm majoring in is history. And we were going over that today. And the freaking ancient aliens are promoting that when they should be saying that, you know, it was a fucking dream. <sighs> Well, you know, ancient aliens are going to promote a lot of shit that aren't exactly factual. Yeah. Well, there was a they, lot of shit. They got to fill up gaps. You know, they got to put up shows, so they got to fill gaps. Well, that's true. That's true. But get this shit. This is how bad the Catholic Church fucked around with Constantine's legend. Okay, now he was a real dude. But Constantine yep. the First, right before he died, one of the popes uh, turned around in the Roman Catholic Church. One of the popes had a piece of paper that they called the Donation of Constantine the First. Anybody can look it up. And it is a legal document stating that Constantine I, who was the Roman emperor, gave Rome to the Catholic Church, literally, flat. That All politics, anything within the city, taxes, anything. It's all theirs. And it was proved that that was a complete forgery, and that Constantine never even fucking wrote that, dude. That's how bad the Catholic Church went, dude. They, dude, they the literally, Catholic Church was, yeah, they, they were fucking horrible, man. Yeah, but and that but see here's the thing that document has been proved again and again and again to be forgery. Yeah. 
And so the Catholic Church played around Constantine the First a lot, and one of the things they did besides taking over all of Rome and most of West Europe with a fake ass deed to the land, um, they also promoted they promoted the idea that angels and godly signs physically were around Constantine when he battled, and when when it wasn't. And I just thought that was pretty fucking interesting. That's pretty fucking funny, actually. Yeah, but ancient aliens, they need to do their fucking job, man. I mean, you know, because, like, if, see, if they have one uh, misinformation in there or one issue, you know, it just, it makes, it makes the rest of it Fuck not fun. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I believe we're, in... We're about to go live here in, in less than 30 seconds, so. Oh, okay, man, Actually, okay. The, the, intro's about, the intro's about to drop in less than 30 seconds. So, you're, you're going to hear it, and uh, as it's coming down, and, you, you know, the ending's coming near... I'll count you down and uh, just start. When I say you're live, just start talking. Skywatch, welcome to Skywatchers Radio. Yeah, yeah. You know, on October 5th, blah, 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 and whatever your monologue is. So here we go. They are using all kinds of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it, and what were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. When I got out in 1989, we had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Hello and welcome everyone on this beautiful and wonderful night here on the East Coast. And of course you're listening anywhere in the world, that's great. I am your co-host Brian McComas and you're listening to Skywatchers Radio. Uh, I want to throw out some information real quick. You can chat with us by going to www.skywatchersradio.com, all one word. At the top of the page, please click the listen live link and then on the next page click listen and chat and that will direct you to the page where you should be able to chat with us uh, we encourage anyone to do that uh, normally I'm here with my co-host Suzanne Chancellor but she's ill tonight so we're joined by our technical assistant manager and producer the Jackal are you there Jackal and the one time co-host of Skywatchers Radio welcome everybody <laughs> and there you go then that's the Jackal and um so again, I'm Brian McComas, and we got the jackal here with me. Um, and, you know, it would have been uh, funnier, Brian. Uh, it would have been funnier if we would have just started talking and wouldn't have said nothing about Suzanne being sick, and you know, have people like try to figure out if if that's Suzanne's voice and why does she sound like man? <laughs> well, that'd be looking at her picture and being like, man, that girl looks cute, but damn, she sounds like a guy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to give the call-in number. I know it's a little early, and we just started, but I'm going to go ahead and throw out the call-in number, and I'll throw it out during uh, during the show. Uh, it is area code 786-245-8127. 
That's 786-245-8127. And we encourage people to call in. Uh, you don't have to call in right now, but we encourage you, if you got a crazy story, uh, you want to talk about the paranormal, you got a discussion, something like that. Uh, and I believe we will screen. So, <laughs> no crazy stuff. <laughs> so, well, how are you doing tonight, man? How are you doing? I, I'm doing okay, but, uh, you know, I, I'm just, uh, I was listening earlier to the interview you guys did last week with uh, Mr. Steve Bassett, and great show you guys did, man. I got to give you props uh, for being like your first interview, big time interview. The Steve Bassett episode was really good. Yeah, man. Yeah. And I'll tell you, um, I listened to that probably three, I want to say three times in a row. Uh, not being not being arrogant to hear myself, but I was listening to Steve because he was kind of talking faster in some things. But the man a has lot, a lot yeah. of information. Yeah, he's he's awesome to listen to though. But uh, I think I heard it three, maybe four times, and uh, it, it was really good. Uh, uh, definitely a good first guest for my show, for for me being on the show and everything. Really good guest. Yeah, yeah this is like old awesome. times. Uh, you and I have actually been on air before many times, of course, on, on Jackal's Head, my other show here on weekends. Uh, so it's not like we've never been on air together, but this is the first time I think we've ever been on Skywatchers as co-hosts. Yeah, well, I know that whenever um, Skywatchers started up, I know that we had discussions about me co-hosting, and I kind of opted out. Uh, I thought that your 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 other, I thought the way that you're running it was perfect, and and I'm just being honest. And I kind of didn't want to step in and step on feet, but uh, yeah, I, I believe that this is the first time that uh that that me and you are actually on Skywatchers Radio. Which is awesome. It is awesome. And we got a lot of stuff to talk about. I know that you got a couple of stories that you want to share with the audience, uh, something dealing with even, with even President Kennedy and the assassination. I know you, you linked me a couple of different items you were going to talk about. I have a couple of stories also, one involving SETI, uh, which, of course, SETI is world known. Anybody who's into ufology knows exactly what SETI is, but is SETI still relevant after 50 years? That's an article that I want to read to. Uh, to the audience in a little bit, but uh, a lot of stuff to cover in ufology. There's a lot of stuff going on, ain't there? Yeah, man, there is. Uh, we were actually uh, determining uh, what all topics to bring up tonight, and uh, I, well, let's see here. I think I have four topics. Uh, did you want to do the Steve Jobs one, or you want to announce that? You know, it, that's funny because that's not really Skywatcher related. You know, he's, he wasn't involved with UFOs or anything, but it, it was kind of shocking to, to hear it today that Steve Jobs, of course, the CEO, or the one-time CEO, because he had stepped down recently, but the one-time CEO and really co-creator of Apple passed away, and really sad, but uh, yeah, Stephen Paul uh, Jobs, co-founder, chairman, and former chief executive of Apple Inc., passed away Wednesday, a visionary inventor and entrepreneur. It would be impossible to overstate Steve Jobs' impact on technology and how we use it. Apple, uh, Apple really is the leading computer company in the world right now with the iPads, iPhones. I mean, they're, they've completely taken over all mobile devices, and this man has passed away at the age of 56. Shocking news. I mean, I, I did not expect to hear uh, Steve Jobs passing away. Especially yeah, so me soon, either, so man. soon after. And, you know, it, it was he was suffering from pancreatic cancer, uh, which mm -hmm. I have no idea about, it, which, man, that's really... It's I didn't sad. know about it kind of, either. I had, yeah, no, no, idea. I had no clue. I mean, who would have thought that Steve Jobs, the guy who created Apple, you know, all that money he has, man, and just goes to show you, man, we're, you know, we're all human beings. It doesn't matter how, how much money you have behind you, if cancer gets you, you know, mm -hmm. cancer, cancer has uh, no bias. 
Yeah, there's actually a lot of quotes, and uh, I was looking him up and uh, reading about him, and there are so many quotes by this guy uh, that have become famous. And now, now with his death, I think they're gonna they're gonna publicize it a little bit more. But uh, let, let me read this one, and it, it's, this is just concerning him and his involvement with Apple. And he he wrote, uh, I quote. I have always said that if there ever came a day when I could no longer meet my duty, my duties and expectations as Apple CEO, I would be the first to let you know. And then he wrote down, unfortunately, that day has come. And that's actually how he stepped down. And uh, uh, it was short and sweet and everything. And uh, yeah. there are so many, but there's actually a lot of quotes by him uh, that have to do with uh, philosophy, uh, love, technology. Uh, a little bit of everything. I mean, he he even made some uh, some quotes about romance and relationships, mm-hmm. and like I mean, it's just all over the place, man. Uh, he yeah, he was definitely quote that I definitely one quote that I one quote that I saw that really caught my attention was your time is limited, so don't waste living someone else's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And uh, there's a nice there. Well, actually, you can go anywhere. I guess uh, you can go on a. Uh, NewYorkTimes.com has a, a good story about him. Uh, Yahoo News has a story about him. Uh, and, and, of course, like I said, man, I mean, it's, you know, maybe it's my ignorance, but I had no idea that he was suffering from uh, pancreatic uh, cancer. I had no idea at all. Yeah, neither did I. I'll tell you one thing, though. I bet you anything the Apple stocks will plummet tomorrow. Well, they probably they probably will take a hit, but here's the here's the thing, though. They are going to, in a way, immortalize him, so it oh, will course. look really good for the company. And the people with the money are probably going to shove stock into him, whereas some people that just don't care are going to pull it away. So I, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to. I personally do not want to predict how the stocks go with Apple. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it went down or up because of this. Still sad. sad yeah, sad day for anybody who. Uh who's a fan of the Apple product and who's been following Steve Jobs for the last decade as he's rebuilt this company. Because, remember, he, he left Apple for a little while, and then he took over again when the company was pretty much in the toilet. And he was the main person behind the iPads, iPhones, you know, all the mobile devices that Apple has out now, the the Mac operating system, really. You know, he re-engineered the entire operating system from scratch when he came back on board. And he took a company that was almost ready to go bankrupt and he took him back to the top of the uh, computer game. I mean, Apple's the top-selling computer in the world. Yep, it's amazing. yep, yep. And you can't mention the Apple's without talking about iPads. So, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's amazing it, yeah. what that man's done. Short life too. Fifty-six years old, man. Real sad. Yeah, it is. And uh, speaking of news, and since we're bringing up things that aren't related to the paranormal yet, um, have you been watching the Michael Jackson trial still going on? Well, actually, I, I beg to differ on that one because anything involving Michael Jackson from this point on is kind of paranormal. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, they actually, well, the reason I'm asking is because they played a uh, just something that kind of like uh, really got to me. And if you're a true MJ fan, you know he loved children, and I don't mean that way. Uh, but he yeah. always <laughs> talked about how, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't know. It always, do it always makes you laugh, though, when you say, it always makes well, you laugh when you say he loves children. Because everybody yes, thinks, but, you yeah. know, after the two trials, unfortunately, that's where everybody's mind goes to, you know? Yeah, it, it is. It's sad. But he actually left a message on the doctor's phone, and they played it in court, about how and why he loved kids. And he talked about how he wanted to be like a child, and he never had a child of himself. Now, when he said right. this, 
he was slurred with his speech, and he also talked about how he felt other children's pain. And I just, I mean, it was really moving. Uh, I mean, you could tell this was MJ. It wasn't as slurred as the other stuff that's come out of the courtroom. But uh, I was just wondering if you've heard that, Jackal. I actually heard a little bit about it earlier today uh, in the midst of uh, dealing with a lot of pain that I'm dealing with tonight. Uh, people who have been listening to the station know uh, what the pain's about. But, uh, yeah, I caught a little bit on the news today in the midst of the crying from the pain. Uh, and then I almost cried again because it was kind of sad. It, it, it is touching, but not surprising because, you know, I, I, as you're a Michael Jackson fan, you already kind of know that this is, the, you know, the way he was. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I never for a moment thought that he was guilty of molesting a child. I thought that he really just wanted to be like a child. That's the whole Peter Pan syndrome that he had. Uh, this guy literally, I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but this is a man who actually healed children. And when I say that, I mean, when he was actually out on a tour, he he stepped out for a while to do, like a, I guess, like a mini tour of third world countries and to visit mm-hmm. hospitals and things like that. And, uh, and one of the times that he visited the hospital, he actually ran across a kid who needed a liver transplant, uh, transplant or was going to die in a couple weeks. And he literally paid for the transplant of that child. He saved that kid's life, and he wouldn't leave the hospital until he found the liver for this boy. So he literally, he was a healer. I mean, took his money, mm-hmm. obviously, to do it. But, uh, you know, the point was, he, he said he would not leave that hospital until they found that boy a liver, and he paid for the entire operation. That boy is still alive today, thanks to Michael Jackson. So he was a healer in many ways. So it doesn't surprise me that, that something like this would come out, uh, because I know who Michael Jackson was as a fan of his. You know, I know who he really was, not who the media or the haters or, you know, the idiots or the hoaxers or whoever want to make him out to be. So... Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, so um, do you want to go ahead and uh, bring up anything you want to bring up, or do you want to go into the topics, flow into it, or, or what? I mean, because we're just, we're just freestyling this, people. <laughs> we're just that good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I've, I've gotten pretty decent at freestyling, but I have a couple stories that uh, are kind of interesting. I don't know if you, you know, are ready to get into the uh, story mode of the show and just start talking about stories, but there is one story in particular that really caught my attention. Uh, it was a UFO that stalked tourists at a hotspot for water. I don't know if you read this mm-hmm. story. Have yeah, yeah. Story I, well, I was actually, I was reading it right before we went live, and um, I'm still kind of reading the rest of it. And yeah, if you want to go ahead and lead it, man, go right ahead. Tell us all about it. Well, so it says here, a Catherine tour guide claims UFOs are not an uncommon sight at one of the tower's major tourist hotspots. Taffy Baker, tour guide and Bush Walker at Nip I'm gonna butcher this name, Nimuliuk, Georgia. Do you know where that's from? Do you know that how to pronounce that there, uh, Brian? Yeah, it's it's gorge. It, it's a gorge, that's all I know. <laughs> then um, <laughs> Nip Mulik looks right, yeah, but it's a gorge. Yeah, gorge, yeah. Nip Mulik Gorge. Uh, said he had not talked about his sightings uh, for a long time, but after a spat of recent reported sightings of an unidentified light and objects in the sky in the Catherine region, he felt he should talk now. Mr. Baker said sightings of UFOs above, again, the gorge, Catherine's main tourist uh, magnet go back years. We've seen them, my wife, my family, others, he said, uh, they're, they're there, they've been around for quite a while. Mr. Baker said that his latest sighting happened just on the sunset the night Catherine, uh, says here, Catherine Man David Schumann uh, took photos of an unidentified object in the sky above the uh, Strongbola Mance Healing Center. And I quote here, he says, it was a light just above the horizon. It was there 
but it didn't hover for a long for long before it just disappeared as if somebody had switched it off. You know that's funny, Brian. That's kind of like what I saw when I was a kid. I don't know. Hmm. I mean, I've told you I've told you my reports of uh, you know UFOs, uh, my two uh, encounters where I've actually seen legitimate unidentified flying objects. It's only happened twice. Once as a kid, and once I was well, still a kid. I was like fourteen, but the kid I was like eight years old. I was in California, and the object I saw they did the same thing. It was just hovering there, and it just disappeared. Like like it yeah, just, the switch was turned off. Yeah, well, see, there's a common belief that a lot of people think that when you, if you spot one, that it's just going to float off or it's going to like take off fast. But there there's actual reports where they literally, they either move so fast that it's almost the speed of light, or there's an invisibility to them, or, or something like that, or a dimensional change, what, you know, whatever. I mean, you could spend all day as a science fiction analyst or, or just a theorist, theorist, I guess, and come up with different theories on what's going on. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's actually a really famous one in Kentucky where a police officer... Spotted a triangle-shaped uh, craft with three lights on the end of it over a ball field, and the, the funny thing was, uh, and, and I can't pull the city out of my my head right now to, to save my life. But uh, the important thing was that the police officer thought that the the ball field was on because it was over top of a baseball field, and he didn't notice the craft until he came closer because it was so dark. And he said that from a distance it blended in, looked like the stars. But the long story short is the cop actually gets out of his car. He reports it. And he says that the entire structure was triangular, but the lights on all three tips came together as if it was transforming into one light in the center. And then the entire craft disappeared. And what originally looked like a triangle turns into a tiny little orb, I guess, a ball of light. And then it shoots off into the sky. I've, I mean that that you know that's like a you could say that's morphing you could say it's an illusion you could say right we, you know but there are stories out there of these crafts doing some crazy stuff. Well, I really like the way they described it. It, it it's it's like somebody had switched it off. That's a mm-hmm. perfect description. It just just disappears. But Mr. Baker said that two years ago an object hovered over the gorge. Uh, there was no noise, nothing, he said. The thing was just in the sky, just about about the water, doing small circles in the sky. And it was also changing color before it suddenly disappeared. The tour guide said that there had been many sightings of strange things in the skies at Milanik, the gorge, again. Yeah, uh, and in that's in Nebraska. 20- yeah, yeah, well, it's still a fucked up name. But anyway, in October <laughs> 2010, Victorian tourist Adam Ruick, man, everybody has a weird last name in this piece here. Uh, mm-hmm. Accidentally captured a UFO on film while talking to talk, you know, taking not talking taking holiday photos uh, at the gorge. Only hours later, a bright light spooked the crowd at the annual uh, Catherine Show rodeo. Uh, maybe uh, they come to the gorge for the water, Mister Baker said. Um, I don't know about that. Uh, you just don't know what. Uh, what it is out there that we're seeing up in the skies. Um, who the hell knows what they're seeing up in the skies, but I don't think they're there for the water. Well, you know, there's a lot of people that say that they run on water and they soak up water, and uh, there I've seen pictures of it. I, I don't, you know, it's possible, I guess, but, you know, you never know. That gets all back into the hollow earth theory where they're coming out of yeah. the water. Well, USOs are, you know, commonly reported nowadays. On a, you know, mm-hmm. under sea objects or whatever you want to call it, under sea objects, uh, they're they're getting actually reported more and more 
in the last two decades than there were about three decades ago, four decades ago, in the last 50 years, uh, the sightings have definitely been on the rise. Well, and also that, you know, has a lot to do with, you know, there's more people out at sea nowadays than there were 30, 40 years ago. More fishermen, more boats, more yachts, cruises, yada, yada, yada. Yep, yep. And uh, Actually, did you see the uh, thing? It was in Yahoo News a while back uh, where a treasure hunting ship spotted something and they and they took a picture of it with sonar and it looked like the Millennium Falcon, Falcon from Star Wars, the Millennium Falcon sitting on the bottom of the ocean. And they said it was not there, it was moving, it was a structure, and they literally called it a USO. Did you see that? I heard something about that, but, um, man, that was a couple months ago, I think, right? Well, yeah, it, I mean, I'm trying to think of how long ago it was, but, uh, man, I'm I, I'm going to college, so my days and my nights are all screwed up. But, yeah, it probably was a couple months ago, <laughs> not weeks. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it looked like a Millennium Falcon. I remember they had a black and white enhanced picture of that, and I thought that was pretty cool. But that was on, uh, I know it was on Yahoo News, because I, I, that's, that's where I, my homepage is, and I go through Yahoo, and I see it all the time. But uh, uh, getting back to the, uh, the UFO changing colors and everything, I've only ever had one UFO sighting. And, uh, you know, it was from a distance, but that's what it did with, that's what it did in the sky with me, is it was changing constant colors. And uh, I had a very crappy camera. I ran out, tried to video it, and I tried to do what no one else ever does. I tried to video the object and then go down to the landscape, show where the landscape was, show where other landscape is, uh, show stars in the sky, and that's what you need to do. You need to show the environment of something, not just like, mm. you know, um, and I was trying to be as scientific as I could. I was talking about the weather. Uh, I was explaining what time it was and all kinds of stuff, but the video... When, when you zoom in on it, the video shows that whatever it is in the sky is just twinkling. And it's really, I mean, it's pretty. It's brilliant lights. But for the, for the life of me, if I was an alien race and I was, you know, sneaking into another civilization where, you know, for whatever reason we're not supposed to intermingle or if our, inner, you know, if our, if our communication with another race would screw up something, I just don't understand why they would have flashy stuff like that. I just don't get it. And this thing that I seen was in the sky for a very long time. In fact, for a long time, I kind of thought, I mean, I sat there for three or four hours, and I thought it was a satellite maybe because it was sitting in the same spot. And, uh, I, and then I kept thinking, well, maybe it's like a planet. And, uh, you know, it didn't move like a satellite, but then I started thinking it was a planet. And the next night I came out, it was not there in the same position. Uh, I mean, I, I still have video of this thing, but I could swear to you it was you know, maybe, maybe 300, 400 feet in the sky, and that's it, uh, it was not, it was, I mean, I could have almost, uh, you know, I could have, I could have took a good slingshot and fired off a, a rock up there, <laughs> I'm not gonna say I could throw a rock, but, but yeah, um, so I've only, out of all my years of, and I've seen some crazy stuff, but I, you know, I've, I have sky watched, and I don't like to say something is something when it's not, but that, that was that one time, and the funny thing is, it was when I was taking out the garbage. That's all I was doing. I was taking out the garbage at 3 in the morning because I'd forgotten to do it. And there's that thing there. And when years before, I'm sitting in so many different Skywatch groups. And people, of course, see things. And then I see it. And I'm like, I don't know, man. And, you know, that's a satellite. Or that's a plane, you know. But uh, you know, I've tried that's just how life is. myself. <laughs> I've tried actually sky watching, actually going out and sky watching myself a few times, and you'd be amazed when you have a, a nice clear night how many satellites you do pick up and how many objects that are just you know could be 
could be classified as you know normal objects in the sky that belong there. How many you will find if you have a good enough camera? Right, and actually that's something that we both agree on is the satellites yeah. because there is a program. I want to say it's it's a website, but it's it's got a program within the website, and it's on NASA. And it will tell you and shows you a like a virtual reality Earth of how what the Earth looks like with all the satellites, and it is in, it is insane. It literally it looks like the Earth is rotating around a dust cloud, and that cloud is thousands and thousands of satellites. Some of them are mm-hmm. out of commission now. Some of them yep. are not, and I mean it's ridiculous. So you know. It, it makes it, you it's wonder. Funny because, it, it's funny. It does make you wonder, but it's it's funny because we had just one that was crash landing not long ago, and people were like, "Oh my god, a satellite crash landing!" I'm surprised more haven't come down. We have so many of them up there. Well, uh, I would assume that the metals and stuff that they're made out because I know they don't have gold plating on them. Uh, gold is is what kind of keeps the heat from melting whatever's inside. And so if something doesn't have gold around it or some kind of uh, special thermal, um, you know, shielding, uh, then I would imagine that if it fell through the atmosphere that, you know, it would burn up really bad. It may even actually look like a meteor rock when you find it and yet it's metal. But another interesting thing is some of these satellites are not very big. Some of them, they just they just shine. They reflect light and they shine in the night right. sky and... Uh, yeah, so when you skywatch, you you got to always be sure what you're looking at. And that's something me and you always agree on, is, uh, you know, double-checking it's not satellites or airplanes yeah. or, you know. <laughs> we know a lot of people who mistake airplanes for, for UFOs, unfortunately. Yes, YouTube is yes, cluttered with those people, unfortunately enough. Uh, but, you know, I found that story about the UFO underwater. Uh, Swedish uh, treasure hunters discover a mysterious underwater disc. And I'm looking at the picture of it, and by God, it looks just like the Millennium Falcon. I told you, yeah. Go ahead and repeat that for the listeners again. Uh, it's the Swedish, Swedish. Swedish treasure hunters discover mysterious disc underwater. Yeah, and so everybody can look that up, and it looks like the Millennium Falcon. It is insane. God, it looks just like it. Uh, and just to reiterate, this is back from July, so it, it was a few months back, but it says here, oh, yeah. uh, er, early morning in June nineteenth, 2011, a group of Swedish treasure hunters who call themselves the Ocean Explorers discovered a large disc about 60 feet in diameter on a Baltic seabed between Finland and Sweden. Even what is even stranger is there is 300 meters sliding track behind the object, which leads to the theory that this huge object slid across the uh, seabed before it stopped at the resting place. Mm-hmm. And I quote here: "It says you see a lot of weird stuff the, uh, in this profession, but during my 17 to 18 years as a professional uh, wreck uh, diver." I have never seen anything like this. Shape completely round circle uh, makes it this unique, said Peter Lindbergh, member of the Ocean Explorers. Now, the Ocean Explorers say they have no idea what this object is, but say that this is solid, made out of stone, concrete, or steel, and is completely round, uh, with, of course, a couple of parts that are not round because it looks like the Millennium Falcon. Like, the very front of the Millennium Falcon looks just like it. Uh, it says here in a quarter, it says, it does... It does me completely, this is not soft, whatever the hell that means, but I guess he's trying to say this is made out of some hard substance. Uh, they yeah. have ruled out this is some sort of death bomb or mine from the uh, First World War or some kind of a uh, bloom, 
you know, some kind of dune underwater, something they've ruled all that out. They say this is definitely a solid object. Uh, also, they, they could tell it's a solid object because there's depth to it. You know, it's not just like, if it was like some kind of a dune, it would be like an optical illusion where it looks like there's something there, but it's really like a crater. But it's not that. There's actually depth to this thing, so it's round and it's, you know, an object is actually there on top of the, of the ocean. Amazing. Yeah, that's true. And going back to the satellite thing real quick, uh, we have some uh, conversation going going on in the chat room on skywatchersradio.com. And Fallen One, one of our users, his name is Fallen One, or her, uh, says, uh, says, I've got the thing for Google Earth that shows all the satellites. And then they say, it's insane. And yeah, uh, I've, I've seen that programmed, and it literally looks like uh, the Earth with dust around it, and uh, you know, a ball of a cloud, if you will, and that cloud, each little particle of dust, is really a satellite when you zoom in. And uh, uh, another comment about the Millennium Falcon, real quick. Uh, you know, I was thinking if if this was a military uh, program from humans, you know, and and not not an alien. Not involving aliens or alien technology or anything like that, because I I do believe in UFOs of both kinds, and I'll just I'll go ahead and throw that out there. But how cool would it be if you were in the department that created and crafted and manufactured the UFO, and somebody said, "Dude, let's make it look like the Millennium Falcon." Because if you think about it, it's smart. Because who is going to ever believe anybody out there saying, "Hey, man." I've seen a USO or a UFO, and it was the Millennium Falcon. I mean, who's going to believe that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it is brilliant. I mean, and, and damn it, I want one so bad. Yeah, it's very brilliant. <laughs> I mean, it, that's that's pretty pretty insane. But yeah, it looks like the Millennium Falcon. But that's uh, an amazing story. Yeah, you know that that uh, goes to show that um, things under our ocean are just as strange as things in, out there in space. Uh, we we know very little about our actual oceans, and we have a lot of ocean to cover. And we still we, we're learning new shit every day and seeing new things every day. And recently, I saw I don't know if you saw this, Brian, but there's a report uh, that they found pyramids near Cuba, and now they've also found large oil reserves near Cuba hmm. down in the ocean. No, I don't think I've seen that. No, I I know. I know that they found uh, where kind of near the uh, near the uh, Bermuda Triangle, and then there's another spot over in Japan. Japan has a Bermuda Triangle going on too. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's got I want to say it's actually called the Devil's Triangle or something like that too. But although the Bermuda Triangle has a nickname, the the Devil's Triangle as well. Um, the both of these places have underground cities or some kind of uh, temples, temple structures, and I have seen that. But I, I don't know if it if it extends to Cuba. I don't think I've seen that. Um, but well, yeah, well, this, this is you know something right out of uh, above top secret dot com. I don't know if you're familiar with that website, but they had posted uh, this. And it wasn't just pyramids; it was uh, pyramid structures, but as well as what looked like cities under the ocean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and here's the thing you got to remember is that our Earth is covered in. Uh, in so much water now, I want to say it's like 80, I think it's 75% water now. Um, so 
when you look at it like that, everybody agrees. I mean, e- even the creationists uh, versus the evolutionists, they, I've never heard anybody disagree that at one time there was not as much water. So when you, when you look at it like that, you know whether you believe in an ice age or a flood or I don't know. You know, then you gotta you gotta realize that the Earth could have been at one time, you know, fifty percent mass, fifty percent water, or even less water. Uh, right. So yeah, it, you know, it's very very plausible that there were that there's many cities underneath the uh, underneath the ocean anywhere at any given point. So when you think of it like that, I mean, you know, that's a lot of uh, human history that we that's you know it's it's going to be hard to get to. Uh, I mean, you know, you, you want to conserve what you can find within human history so that we understand where we come from, uh, any new civilizations, uh, you know. And sometimes we run across information from a civilization that talks about another civilization, and then we go search and we find that civilization. And that's actually what happened with the Trojan Wars. And, uh, the, you know, everybody knows about the Spartans versus the Persians. Uh, and it was one man who found both battle sites for that. Uh, and that's not very uh, very well known, and everybody thought he was crazy. He'd never find it because before his time, you know, everybody kind of thought the Spartan War was a myth, and it was proved to to have happened. So, if it weren't for right. that one man, we we would not have the movie Three Hundred. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and for my Latino friends, we would not have El Pichi films Dos Noventinueve. Oh, there you go. <laughs> You've never mm-hmm. seen that, I'm sure, but if you knew Spanish, you would laugh your ass off. They, It's a Spanish uh, comedy group here in Florida. Uh, they came up with this name called El Peachy Boys, the Peachy Boys, and uh, they came out with a bunch of comedy skits on YouTube. This was a couple years ago, and uh, what they did was they stripped every scene from the movie 300, and they dubbed it in Spanish, but it was, you know, the comedy guys, the comedians, uh, doing the voices in Spanish, uh, but doing mm-hmm. like really... Uh, Stereotypical Cuban accents. Oh wow! And it was freaking hysterical. They, they now, actually got so famous off of that that they landed a radio gig, a real AM radio gig, and are doing stuff on TV now and stuff on real TV. And they did it, you know, just out of their house. Now, is it one? Is 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 that one of the movies where they actually give the lines of the of the of the real script, or do they just make up stuff and and no, try to make, make up it stuff? Fits? They make yeah, uh, they, they okay. completely make yeah. It's a spoof. It's a complete spoof. Like uh, it's they dub the voices over with uh, them talking in really stereotypical Cuban slang. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, I've I've seen some stuff like that, and of course, you know, if you haven't seen an old kung fu movie, there's always times when you know we make fun of that with with the lip syncing <laughs> and everything. <laughs> oh no, Godzilla! Kung Pao. Yeah, now Kung yeah, Kung Pao was actually done by. Uh, just a handful of people, and that was pretty impressive. Yeah, Kung Pao. Well, the main guy who did the the movie Kung Pao, um, his name is, escapes me now, but he was the actor in the movie. He was the main actor who played Chosen One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he is he. Uh, I want to say he produced it. Um, he, I mean, of course, he done like almost everything. But yeah. I believe there were only eight people total, including him, that were in on this film. Eight. Yeah, well, they used an old film. I mean, they used an actual old oh, yeah. uh, movie from the 70s, an old kung fu movie. And, uh, yeah, his name is Steve Odeker. That's, that's his name. He actually was a director of Ace Ventura, too. Oh, uh, man, that was and, hilarious. 
and he co-wrote a bunch of Jim Carrey's movies and stuff like that. He, he's a very, very funny guy. Um, yeah, if anybody haven't se- hasn't seen uh, Kung Pao, check that out. It's called Enter the Fist. Kung Pao, Enter the Fist. Now, you, you ask, how is this Skywatcher related? Why the hell are we talking about Kung Pao? Uh, well, why not? You know, in the end of the movie, I don't know if you remember this, Brian, uh, mm-hmm. they, they actually were fighting evil aliens from France. Yes. There, I was gonna say, and so they're there French. You go. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I've seen that movie so many times. I wish they would come out with a second one. I know that at the yes. end they show spoilers, you know, for a second one. But it was kind of a joke at the time, I think. But they should really do that. Well, he actually had the second one planned uh, to be filmed. I think a couple, like a year and a half ago, two years ago. It was called Tongue of Fury, and uh, it actually got to the pre-production stage. They had, you know, everything already set up for the, the reshoots and all that stuff. And uh, for some reason or another, he just couldn't, couldn't do it. It was supposed to come out in 2008 or nine, I think. And it just mm-hmm. never never materialized. Uh, but yeah, I'm like you, man. I'd, I'd love to see Kung Pao 2, Tongue of Fury. <laughs> yeah. I want to see the, uh, the, the cow with his barnyard friends. Because <laughs> that's what they show at the end. <laughs> yeah. That, and the three-titty uh, chick. She was hot. Yeah, and uh, real quick, uh, Ch- Chuck, who is in our chat room, uh, just posted up a link to uh, to the Swedish UFO report. Uh, now, no offense, Chuck, I don't click the link, so you know everybody else enter at their own risk. And sometimes in the chat, I know it protects uh, the users from going to certain sites. So you know, but yeah, you can just Google uh, or go through Yahoo, Google, Bing dot com. I mean, there's so many of them now. Uh, and just put in Swedish UFO or USO, and uh, you'll find it. Interesting story, though. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Millennium Falcon story, man, that, that story trips me out. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. And a, another thing in the news uh, is the crop circles. I was looking at that. Uh, you, you actually sent that to me, and they're pretty amazing, but of course they're man-made. Uh, these are... Uh, I want to, um, forgive me for a minute, I'm trying to figure out how many there were. I want to say that there were eight. No, there's seven. All right, This the story goes that the that there were seven corn mazes across the United States by farms participating in the Space Farm 7, I guess it is, project in 2011. And uh, you can see this on uh, www.space.com. And there is an article called NASA Crop Circles Space Corn Mazes. And there are pictures that are really amazing. And they're, I mean, they're crop circles. Uh, you, you cannot, uh, you will not be able to tell what they are unless you're in the air, of course. And uh, they're, they're pretty amazing. Have you, have you seen them all? I've seen a few of them, yeah. And uh, it's amazing what man can do when it comes to crop circles. That's why it's hard to believe any crop circles you see nowadays because... Man, they can make some really nice stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've, yeah, and I've, I've walked myself in about six of them, and I, and I know for a fact that at least five of those six were man-made. There was one that there was some freaky stuff going on, even when we got there, and that was the good one. Uh, they, the people that I was with, the group I was with, took soil samples as they always do, and um, seed, uh, seed samples because. One thing most people don't know is if it's an authentic crop circle, uh, if you get there within uh, 12 hours and you put your ear to the ground, there's a humming that comes from the ground, and it's the weirdest thing. Some people say it sounds like music or a chime, 
And that is, you know, that's not always published because the people who study, study these things, uh, for whatever reason, they don't put it out there. But, uh, there's another effect too, uh, that happens to men when they walk in. And it's a little embarrassing. They talk about it all the time in America, but they don't talk about it in England. They just kind of say, oh, it's, you know, it's hush hush. But if you're a male and you walk into the, the field, there is some kind of electromagnetic energy that goes on that makes you sexually stimulated. You have no oh, control right. over it. Yeah, you have no control over it. And uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty bad. Uh, and another thing is, if you take the seeds and you try to plant the, the corn or the, the wheat, because some of these are, are in wheat fields, uh, especially in England, if you try to do that, the seed that you take and you grow will usually grow, but the plant is completely mutated. It will have mutated crop, and uh, a lot, and people don't know this, farmers will actually have to destroy that crop. So this is not for, if it's a real crop circle, it is not in the best interest of a farmer, because they have to destroy that crop, because uh, it's just wasted space, and for whatever reason, right. this information never gets out on the news. I, I've, I've never understood why it doesn't, but, you know, we could spend... A whole show talking about you know things that happen and don't make it to the media for whatever reason. Hmm. But uh, but again, that's at www.space.com, and it's uh, and the link is uh, NASA crop circles circles space corn mazes. Like just go to space.com, you'll find it, and uh, scroll down there, and there are I want to say five pictures that they show out of the seven. And they're uh, they're pretty amazing, man. They they really are. Um, uh, but they're actual corn mazes. They're not just crop circles. They're they're both. So you can go in there and have fun and run around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know who needs Viagra now? Just uh, find a nice cornfield that's been uh, you know tagged up by some aliens. You'll be all right. <laughs> there you go. Actually, one day uh, um, here on Skywatchers, I'll try to get a uh, clip uh, speaking about this. Because there's there are several shows that's been done on UFO hunters and sightings and other things like that where they actually talk about the stimulation and it's pretty funny to listen to. Uh, hmm. And uh, I, I know in England there was a big craze years ago where some of the hippies would go and believe it or not there are still many many hippies in England. Uh, they will go to these crop circles and they will actually make love because they believe that if they get pregnant while they're they're going to have an alien child or some kind of hybrid child or whatever. And, uh, you know, that, that's kind of a weird, uh, you know, kind of a scary notion for someone just to say, hey, let's go get pregnant in the cornfield, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, the, no, but uh, they interview couples that are doing that. Uh, they literally are going to crop circles and uh, publicly having uh, inde indecent exposure would be the easiest way to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? What better place to make love for the first time with that beautiful young girl than in the middle of an alien created crop circle I dig it that's pretty funny <laughs> when you've been like that <laughs> I dig it you know uh, one story I do want to get to is uh, SETI I, I teased earlier with giving out the uh, the name of the report here but it says SETI is, is still relevant after 50 years uh, now, this report says the search for extraterrestrial intelligence is still relevant despite running for 50 years and not finding any evidence of life outside of Earth. 
an expert has just said. Uh, and I quote here, he says, we, already, we are already finding a lot of things. We're not finding yet the evidence for extraterrestrial intelligence, but uh, we, we have been seeking uh, for a long time. Uh, so in, but we are finding out a lot of, uh, about the universe which we inhabit, said E-League Executive Director Emirate Professor Paul Shuk, and that's exactly what his name is, Paul Shuk, told News 24. Um, I, th- I think that's how you pronounce his last name, Brian, S-H-U-C-H, Shush. Mm-hmm. Yep, Paul Shush. That's uh, what maybe that's why, they, that's why they're not finding no aliens. They're shushed out. Uh, but SETI, or the Search for <laughs> Extraterrestrial Intelligence, has been listening for signals from outer space in the hope that an advanced civilization wanted to communicate with Earth. Uh, they would do so by radio waves. This is why they would never find any life in outer space. Uh, the technology requires to maintain program uh, has uh, contributed to an increase in science about the universe, uh, Shush said. SETI has already provided us with a valuable scientist input. Um, yeah, they've provided with a lot of scientific input, but they're searching in radio ways, and they're not, you know, they're, they're really backwards. SETI's never going to find anything. They really are yeah. a waste of money. And I'll be the first, you know, to say it here tonight. SETI, complete waste of time. Have you seen the Have you seen the video documentary of uh, Muchio Kaku, uh, the Japanese scientist who talks about SETI and bashes it uh, and explains why it will never catch an alien communication? Have you seen that video? Oh, of course. Okay, yeah, I've actually got that saved on my uh, on my YouTube uh, user account. I've got several user accounts, but. Uh, uh, for people listening in, uh, you know, if you want to see what I'm talking about, uh, Muchio Kaku, and I can never pronounce his name right. Um, I think I'm that saying one I right. actually can't, That one I actually can pronounce right, Michio Kaku. Okay, there you go. Uh, <laughs> he he did a, a well, it's a 9 minute and 11 second video. I've got it on my YouTube. But if you go to YouTube and you put in uh, 78 Divini, D-I-V-I-N-I, it's 78 Divini, D-I-V-I-N-I. Uh, that is my, that's one of my users. I haven't used that in ages. Uh, go to that and then scroll down to all the things on there. And you'll see the um, uh, Muchio Kaku uh, on aliens and why SETI is what it says. And uh, it explains, uh, he explains in detail that SETI cannot, and this is interesting, SETI cannot even pick up our communications, period, the way they're looking at it. Hmm. He even yep. says that if humans are on the moon right now, if we went to the moon and we knew about it and we were on the moon and we were beaming information from the moon to Earth, SETI would never catch it. If we were yeah. on Mars and beaming information to the moon or to the Earth, SETI would never catch it. And he explains why. And he talks about how it's on radio waves from ancient, ancient, ancient times and yeah. uh, how we, we're not even using it. Even, even though this is radio, our radio waves go through a different uh, channel and SETI is very narrow-minded. When it comes to their search, but uh, again, that's seventy-eight Davini. Look for that on YouTube. Scroll down, find find all the videos on there. I got a little bit of everything on there, uh, and you'll see that video. And it's titled "Muchio Kaku on Aliens and Why SETI is what it says. But uh, when you click it, it says "Why SETI does not work," and uh, he explains that. But it's a quick video. It's really really good, um, and it proves that the government's just wasting our money. Because that's taxpayer money, man. <laughs> that's all they've been doing for the last uh, how many years now with SETI? 50 years that SETI's been going at this? That's a lot of lot of money. Yeah. That's, that's, a, lot, that's, that's a lot of waste of money. 
Guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break here on Skywatchers Radio. We're a little bit overdue here. Uh, we'll be back in a few minutes. If anybody wants to get in on the phones, please do so. 786-245-8127 is the call-in number. Open lines for the rest of the show, so if you guys want to call in, I don't care if you're west of the Rockies, east of the Rockies, or north of the equator. You can call in, 786-245-8127. Man, you hear this bullshit they be talking and check out Every day, man, it's like these motherfuckers is just like professional liars, you know what I'm saying? It's wow. Listen. Bin Laden, blow up projects. It was your nigga. Tell the truth, nigga. Tell the truth, nigga. Tell the truth, nigga. Bin Laden, blow up projects. It was your nigga. Four thousand seven hundred and thirty-four UFO sightings in two thousand seven. Eight hundred and fifty-four abductions by aliens or unknown species reported by American and British citizens. And hundreds more unreported in 2007. Suppressed information about collisions with passenger aircraft and UFOs that has been kept from the public knowledge for years. And only one trusted source of information from some of the top UFO researchers in the world. Exclusive information that cannot be found anywhere else on the planet. Trusted. Connected. Accurate. The UFOstore.com. Expand your personal library with fast shipping and instant downloadable information from the largest selection of UFO products on the internet by going to theufostore.com or call on the 24-hour, 7-day-a-week order line at 541-523-2630. The truth is out there, and theufostore.com has it. Looking for a used car? Well, look no further. Florida Fine Cars has the car just for you. Here at Florida Fine Cars, we pride ourselves in customer service and quality of cars. Looking for a high-end car? We got them. Looking for an older car for a small cash deal? We got them. Due to having over 400 cars in our inventory, no matter what your situation, we can help. For more information, please go to www.floridafinecars.com today. Discount Comic Book Service, where you can save 40 to 75% off on new comics, collected editions, graphic novels, action figures, statues, and other one-of-a-kind items from DC, Marvel, Image, Dark Horse, Boom Studios, Top Cow, Dynamite, and many, many more. Go to www.dcbservice.com for easy ordering and fast delivery. Or you can visit our brick-and-mortar location at 10202-C Coldwater Road in Fort Wayne, Indiana. DCBS, welcome home. By the Glass. By the Glass is a show about beverage culture. Brad Hubbard. What I'm going to do is I'm going to connect the dots on how everything works together. It's really all about how we enjoy things, how we enjoy life, and how beverages play a big part in that. I'm going to bring in people that are going to display their aspect of the culture. I'm going to bring in people that are going to show you different products. We're going to look at places where people go to consume these beverages and how they all interact. Things are built around the actual beverage itself. By the Glass. Thursdays from 6 to 7. Only on SoFloRadio. Hey, it's Gina Martell with my fabulous co-host, Dr. Dennis Netter. Are you a sexual predator? Could you be? Find out how easy it is to be labeled one. Join us August 2nd for Love and Sex. 
on SoulFlowRadio.com. Love and sex. Better love, better sex, and better life. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Mental disorders are common in the United States and internationally. An estimate 26.2% of Americans ages 18 and older suffer from some sort of mental illness. Now this figure translates to 57.7 million people who suffer from some sort of mental breakdown. If you find yourself laying in bed on a Saturday or Sunday night hearing voices while you're trying to sleep, well it might not be that demonic being from another dimension trying to kill you where you sleep might just be your mental illness starting to kick in. So if you're out of meds for the night, then I have just the thing. Come listen to my show, The Jackal's Head, on the Soup Media Network. You can check out our Listen Live page only on www.psn-radio.com. See you there. This ad has been paid for by The Jackal's Head and the War on Hi everybody, this is Boca Brian once again to tell you about my latest CD of religious comedy bits. We're the Boca. All my smash hits made famous throughout the world. More than, well, not exactly the world. Let's see. Parts of Okeechobee down to, I'd say, a calendar. Well, like I was saying, the most requested religious comedy bits ever to be heard all over your radio for too short a time. You'll get such hits as... All-time Boca Classic. They were speaking in tongues. That made me a believer. Yes, it's Word of Boca. About 30 all-time certified aluminum religious hits by Boca Brian, who sits on the middle finger of God while singing about men of the moist cloth. That's Word of Boca. Available now at all Peaches, Records, and, uh, I mean, at Order Yours Today by clicking on the album cover on SoulBlowRadio.com. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California Gold Rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. Skywatchers Radio. 
here on ESN Radio. With me, of course, is my co-host tonight, Brian McComas, and I am Angel Espino here on Skywatchers Radio, and we are going to be having open lines for the rest of the night, so if anybody wants to call on in and share your UFO-related story, please do so. 786-245-8127 is the call-in number. And we're going to have that open all night. Everybody who's listening in on the stream, please go to the chat room, www.psn-radio.com, and make your way there now to the chat room. And let's chat it up. If you have any questions, we'll take questions from the chat room. I'll also take questions from Facebook. Uh, You can look us up there on Skywatchers Radio TV on Facebook. Uh, A lot of stuff uh, with Skywatchers all over the place now. And the website is looking really good, man. i got to give myself credit because, of course, I created it. But (laughs) skywatchersradio.com is kick-ass. It's a nice-looking website. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, I'm actually popping on Facebook right now. Usually, uh, that's kind of my fault. Usually, I already have it up and ready to go. But uh, I'm going to have to make make something uh, that's, you know, well, I guess I can use my my other Facebook. I have two Facebooks, so... One of them is more my family, my friends, and my private life, and the other one's more uh, public business stuff, things like that. So I'll probably use that. But uh, yes, actually, Facebook is a really good way to get people involved in the radio show, to get questions, yep. and things like that. Better than Twitter. But, we had that. We had that conversation uh-oh. yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not a fan of Twitter. I just, I just never have been a fan of Twitter. I don't know what it is. I just. I'm not a fan. Sorry, not a fan. <laughs> well, here we have a couple other stories that we wanted to get to. I know you have a couple of articles that you want to get to, uh, Brian. I have also a couple of other stories that I want to get to, but I'll, I'll let you take the honors here because I know you have a really nice one that you want to read that you, we were talking about here during the break. Okay, yeah. Um, well, there's uh, there's two main things I want to bring up, and I'll bring up the other one later on, I guess. Uh, of course, unless we get a good caller in. That you know had, had the baby of an alien or Bigfoot or you know <laughs> that'd be cool. But uh, yeah, callers do call in. Um, the uh, the Kennedy assassination linked to UFOs and CIA. That is the headline for the article that I'm going to read, and uh, this is posted by UFOs Today. You can find it on www.ufostoday.com. And uh, when you go there, there is a well, it's going to be on the far I think right hand side. And there's different categories, and there's actually a category that says Kennedy. And uh, it has a little one there, so they've only got one article. And uh, obviously, if you know anything about uh, JFK, you know that there was a lot of UFO stuff, a lot of um, conspiracies, uh, I mean, a little bit of everything in there. So I'm going to assume that the web designer and whoever's running UFOs today is ready to pump a lot of stories into that. And that because I don't, I don't see why they'd make one link with... You know, one story. But for right now, this is the story. It has to do with the Kennedy assassination. I'm going to go ahead and read it. It says, on November the 12th, 1963, President John Kennedy issued two presidential Mirandas instructing NASA and the CIA to begin cooperating with the USSR on joint space missions, including a lunar landing. On the same day, a conversation occurred between Kennedy and Soviet Premier I can't even pronounce his name, dude, but we all know him as uh, Nikita. It's Khrushchev. Kru- yeah. I can't pronounce his name. I don't know what's that's going on with my tongue. Yeah. yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, it, says, <laughs> it says, but anyways, it was on the importance of sharing information concerning UFOs as they moved forward with joint space missions. Leaked documents concerning the 
uh, alleged conversation with the role of the CIA in controlling UFO information directly implicates the CIA and Kennedy's assassination 10 days later. In addition to the two presidential memoranda cited earlier in this investigation series, another leaked document shows the extent to which Kennedy was prepared to cooperate with the Soviet Union in declassifying UFO files. That right there is pretty amazing, people. It says, it continues, it says, the aim was to avoid the risk of mistaken military confrontation over UFOs. And, you know, in layman's terms, you don't want to get in a war with, you know, another group of people, uh, Mm -hmm. another government or anything like that. It says the document is allegedly a top-secret NSA intercept of a, quote, hotline, end quote, conversation between President Kennedy and the Soviet premier at the time, dated November 12, 1963. Uh, It says that they discussed the importance of the respective UFO working groups to deal with the UFO problem to avoid the risk of future conflict. Uh, Kennedy had told... uh, Krutsevich, I, I believe that's how I'm pronouncing it, uh, he says, quote, this is what Kennedy says, I have begun, I began an intuitive, or an initiative, I'm sorry, I began an initiative with our NASA to exchange information with your Academy of Sciences in which I hope will foster mutual concern over this problem and hopefully find some resolution, end quote. Kennedy was uh, certainly referring here to the National Security Action Memorandum released on the same day, November the 12th, 1963. Kennedy also said, quote, I have also instructed our CIA to provide me with full disclosure on the phantom aspects and classified programs in which I can better assess the UFO situation, end quote. While the NSA intercept has not been conclusively determined to be authentic, it has been ranked medium to high level of authentic authenticity it is cons- it is consistent with november 12th national security action memorandum 271 titled cooperation with the ussr on outer space matters the risk of mistaken identification of ufos leading to an accidental nuclear war was also allegedly considered by nato At the same time, according to Robert Dean, a retired command sergeant major who worked at NATO NATO headquarters from 1963 to 1967 in 1964, NATO issued a cosmic top secret document dealing with the threat posed by UFOs being confused with a nuclear first strike by the Soviet Union. Titled simply, quote, the assessment, end quote. Dean said that it was feared that mistaken UFO sightings could start an accidental nuclear war. Dean's statement validates the content of the alleged hotline transcript and gives support to the authentic authenticity. There we go. (laughs) So, yeah, um, and of course, everybody that that gets involved with the JFK uh, uh, death and the, the life of him and what he was doing, uh, the majority of conspiracies, no matter how you look at it, everybody can tell you that JFK apparently, you know, there was a lot of reasons why he could have been assassinated. And, um, you know, it, it's my um, it's my understanding and my opinion that it may it probably was not one reason uh, why that happened. It was probably several if our government was involved. OK, mm-hmm. that's that's just my opinion, because 
apparently there's a lot of people that were pissed. <laughs> but uh, that that does make sense. That does make sense. And you know, one thing I bring up to a lot of people when 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 you talk about UFOs and you talk about the idea of man-made UFOs versus non-man made UFOs. Um, one thing I always bring up is that to this date, the White House in Washington has been buzzed two times by multiple UFOs. Now, that alone tells me that whoever was flying these things cannot and could not have been from this country. The reason why I say that is because our greatest allies are not allowed to fly over the White House. We are not even allowed to fly over the White House. And when you, when you think of it, um, you know, when you think of it in a air traffic control kind of mind behavior, or you think of it in a military term, that completely rules out the idea that it's our stuff or it's anybody else's stuff. Uh, because you, I mean, even even if it was Japan and uh, you know, say the ja the Japanese uh, created that, and they just went to go spy, and that's all it is, they just went over and spied. Why would you bring so much attention to have a fleet of your craft go over top of American soil? Not just that, over the White House. You see what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's it's my opinion based on that, based on the White House buzzings, which is what they're what they're called, uh, that 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 you know these cannot be piloted by humans. Uh, I, I don't know what they are. Uh, it could be just a weird phenomenon in the sky. It could be you know anything. I'm not saying that they're vehicles and piloted by anybody. I'm just saying that they cannot be, at least in, in my in my opinion. I don't think that they're uh, Human driven, uh, at least those those were. So, and but that's just my opinion again. You know, you remember that TV series uh, that ran for one season, Dark Skies, back in ninety six, ninety seven. Uh, Dark Skies. Well, um, I'm trying to think. Uh, can you refresh my memory on it a little bit? Well, the it was created by a gentleman we've had on the show here before in the past, uh, Bryce Zabel. Uh, was the creator of the show. It only lasted one season, but it was about. Uh, it was set in the 1960s. It was set of uh, the the whole thing was taking place uh, during the Kennedy era, and it actually correlated Kennedy's assassination to UFOs. This okay. Story, well, I've, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, think I've I don't know. If this is. Well, I don't think. I don't know. If this is art imitating life or life imitating art, but there's a lot of truth, I believe, behind that series. Uh, the reason that it only lasted one season is really telling because the ratings were pretty good. So I don't know, you know, why they knocked it off uh, uh, off air after one season. But if you watch that full season, uh, it's pretty amazing. It's a, it's a pretty amazing show. They they even have, uh, for example, the Roswell crash takes place on the show. Uh, you know, you hear about the Roswell crash anyway. Uh, you also hear, you know, you, you meet on the show Jesse Marcel. From the you know the Roswell crash, you know the character. Uh, there's an actor yeah. who plays Jesse Marceau on the show. Um, so you know they actually connect real people that were involved in ufology, whether it be the Roswell crash or you know the or ufology in general. Uh, real people, and they actually put them on the show as real characters. Uh, so it was a very interesting story. It, it was uh, set, uh, like I said, starting in the '60s, and it ran for you know it, it actually spanned like a full decade or, or two, I think, if I remember correctly, of timeline. And it was only in one season, and they were supposed to bring it back for a second season. And man, I was really ho when you watch that show. If you watch the ending of that show, and then you find out that there's no season two, you're gonna want to commit bloody murder because the ending of that series 
sets up a second season so perfectly that you know, it just makes you bitter at the fact that they never made another season or a movie or anything because it was such a brilliant setup for the next season and i'm not going to spoil it for anybody especially you brian because you haven't seen it i suggest as soon as you can get get that show dark skies and check it out man it's an amazing amazing series so what you're saying is you want me to go commit murder right after you watch the show <laughs> oh no i know i was just throwing out the joke yeah i'll, I'll definitely go check that out <laughs> definitely but and then and very, then very good show and then i'm gonna call you very angry when i say man why did you tell me about this it being so yes. good i hate it, it when is, shows it. do that though you know i just that pisses you know they me just off. drop out that, that that pisses me off but especially when it's an amazing show like this that pisses me off even more well, I'm going to definitely look at it now, and I think you've got everybody else interested in it. But yeah, I think that there needs to be more UFO documented type movies where it's it's like they're reenacting things, but it's also a documentary in in a way. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, I love movies like that. In fact, any movie that says based on a true story or something like that just is really good, really really good. I, I mean, in my opinion. Yeah, look, just to give you a little tease of uh, the show, the the very first episode, it's called The Awakening. That was the name of the actual episode. Uh, and this is the little synopsis of the episode. It says here, John Leongard and his girlfriend Kim Sayer arrive in Washington, D.C., eager to start their new jobs as congressional aides and an assistant to Jackie Kennedy, respectively. But John's hopes are dashed when he is the... when he, when. He is one of the first when one of his first tasks involved uh, disproving the validity of UFO cases uh, results in being threatened by a group of shady men dressed in black men in black ready to drop up the drop the story altogether. John sh- soon changes his mind when the identity of one of the men in the black or men in black is revealed to be a Navy captain by the name of Frank Bach. His pursuits through though lead him through uh, through the to the truth. His pursu- let me read that again. His pursuits to the truth lead him uh, through different eras, which include the Cuban Missile Crisis, the Kennedy assassination, and uh, many other things like um, what was the uh, they didn't put it here, but they, what it was the uh, Nixon scandal? Uh, yeah, Watergate. Watergate. Yeah, Water- yeah. yeah it, it, it even touches on that. So basically, this is kind of like have you seen the show Taken at all? Have you seen the miniseries? Oh God, yeah, I love Taken. That was awesome. Well, th- this is very similar to that, and in, in that it spans, you know, some timeline uh, from the beginning of the, of the show. But an amazing series. I mean, John Langard, the the main character, uh, he gets involved with the Men in Black and gets involved with what the secret, you know, government is doing. Uh, but he is the whole time trying to debunk them or trying to stop them. So he's like he's like Fox Mulder in a way. Very, in Man, fact, awesome. I think what what really I think hurt this show was that it came out around the same time that the X Files was blowing up, and everybody was looking at the X Files as like this amazing show on Fox, and everybody wanted to see the X Files. It was getting hugely popular, and this show came out. You remember ninety six, ninety seven? X Files came out what in ninety five, ninety four, something like that, a couple years before. Um, so it was like right around the same time, you know, that X Files was really getting popular. So this show just. I guess was overshadowed by the X Files, but in many ways, this first season of Dark Skies was better than the X Files' first three seasons put together. That's how great this show was. Yeah, and so, well, speaking of the X Files, there there is a uh, a man that I once had as a guest on one of my older shows named uh, Daryl Sims. I don't know if you've ever ever interviewed him. Have you? 
He, he's known as the UFO hunter or the alien hunter. And he's had that title I'm, for ages. Yeah, I haven't interviewed him, but I, I know who he is. I know of him. Um, just haven't had the chance to interview him yet. But yeah, uh, he's he's got some interesting guy. Yeah, he's got some crazy. He's got some. He's got some pretty uh, science fiction stories out there. I mean, uh, I, 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 you know, some of them are a little hard to believe, but uh, he sells them. I'll, I'll say that. But he claims and he shows evidence that X Files was his entire original idea. Uh, he shows where he was working with the cast and the crew for the first season and all kinds of stuff. And one of the reasons why I started to believe a lot of Daryl Sims's stories is because he showed me credentials and showed me pictures and just all kinds of stuff of where he worked with that. And uh, he was never he was never mad. He kind of just gave over that whole story. And uh, they they uh, the way I understand it is Fox Mulder was actually. A character that was somewhat like Daryl Sims. And I was like, man, that's crazy. But yeah, you ought to think about just bringing him on the show. Because uh, like I said, man, he's got some crazy stories. And he can he can sell them. Uh, he, he can. I mean, <laughs> whether you believe him or not, I mean, he, he's man, he's he's up there with, uh, with you know, good times and a good guest. And, and, and some crazy, crazy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> You know, speaking of the X Files, I know there was a third X Files movie uh, in the works supposedly, and uh, I'm, I'm dying to see it. Supposedly, he's going to deal with 2012 and what you know might be the alien connection to 2012. Uh, mm-hmm. so hopefully, that gets going. I'd really like to see that. Yeah, well, I mean, and, uh, man, I used to be such a fan of that show, and I think I kind of fell out around season maybe four on the X Files, but. I, I actually really loved the last X Files movie where they had the uh, pedophile priest who was getting like you know, uh, you know the the well they never really explain if it's if it's really happening or not with the psychic visions. I thought that was really good because uh, from one point you know a person can watch that and say oh you know this this is not paranormal and at another point. They could be like, oh, man, it's just, you know, it's completely paranormal. And I liked how they right. put that twist in there. I thought that was ingenious. It was just awesome. Well, X-Files has always done that, though. They've always had episodes where you could kind of look at it as being paranormal, and some where you're like, well, it's not really paranormal, but it's just weird. You know, and well, well yes. That. Yes and no. Actually, one of my favorite episodes is where um, uh, the aliens come and get this guy, and he's frozen. Uh, do you remember that where he dies and he instantly dies? And that is a real thing where they instantly die because of fear. Uh, I, I can't think of the name for it, but it's, it's something like instant rigor mortis. And there's been cases of it that's happened all the way back to the Civil War times where someone can die of shock and they instantly become stone-like. And uh, standing and everything. I'm not talking about falling over. It's pretty crazy. But uh, one of my favorite that episodes of X-Files that almost is had, that one. That o- that almost happened to me when I saw Chaz Bono topless. Oh, <laughs> oh that was bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wh- where where did you see uh, where did you see this at? <laughs> Do I need to- <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it was on uh, some news show that she was being interviewed on, and they had you know how they have uh, when they do interviews now they have like a little TV in the background. You know, it's not really there, but it's you know they add it on later. Uh, they were showing like clips of her in a reality show she's on, or he's on, or whatever it's on. And um, as part of the reality show, Chaz was walking around topless. 
And uh, yeah, rigor mortis almost crept in. Oh man, that's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of like the uh, he shit. He's the he she comment. That's pretty funny. (laughs) See, I didn't. I didn't want to say he or she. You know. Well, let's 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 be respectful and, and call Chaz a he. I guess, even though he doesn't have the. Nuts and bolts, if you know what I mean. But listen, there is actually a story of uh, Jillian Anderson talking about X Files Three, and uh, it, you know, the reason I, t- I talked about the X Files a little bit is because I wanted to get to this story. The X Files is one of the few TV shows to spawn a feature film series with the same cast, crew, and although it's been almost ten years since the show's original run ended, um, and although the second film, The X Files, I want to believe, was disappointing at the box office. Co-star Gillian Anderson just told the Australian TV show Sunrise that they're still talking about doing another one. And I quote here, she says, I hope it will happen. There's talk of it. I don't know who's writing it, but I hear there's something going on right now. Uh, talk of a sequel, of the sequel being a snore. Uh, well, what kind of a sneak, sequel would you like, Gillian Anderson said. Uh, the, and she said, I quote here, I've always wanted to do a spoof of The X-Files as a film. We, we talked about that for a long time, uh, but maybe after three features, you could get to do a spoof feature. I don't think that's a good idea. No, don't spoof the X-Files. Yeah. Serious. yeah. Uh, so, there you go. Uh, better yet, why not make X-Files 3 a plain old funny film, she says. Uh, like everyone else, we love the X-Files, but we thought the series really soared when uh, we was either doing uh, our contemporary comedy uh, stuff on the show or not. Uh, that's when we had the most fun on the show, so I would like to see something involving comedy. Uh, as far as uh, I want to believe being a bad movie, she says here that she liked it, uh, enjoyed the movie, even though some fans may not have enjoyed it. Uh, but, you know, again, like I said earlier, I would like to see them cover 2012 or some alien conspiracy continuing. Because it's kind of funny, because the first one, you know, sets up the rest of the series, because they, they did the first movie in between the series, and you know the alien conspiracy didn't end when the series ended it wasn't like you know they that's it they solved the whole problem you know the aliens we all know who they are now everything's solved you know fox Mulder got to the bottom of it no they they're running from the aliens they're running from the government uh you know the second movie here kind of brought us back to speed to where they are now but they can't just ignore the alien topic yeah yeah actually i would like to see more of that in there and uh you know that little that little guy that uh I can't think of what he is, but he, I guess he's immortal, and he eats people's livers, and he comes out like every 20 so years or whatnot, and he can uh, conform himself into little small spaces, you know what I'm talking about, and he, uh... Because of Rodney, yeah, he's a good guy. <laughs> the, uh, on that, uh, on that show, though, on X-Files, though, and he, uh, he takes newspaper clippings, and he spits on it and licks it, and he makes a cocoon out of... Out of that, you know, I, I, I'd like to see some of that. That's crazy, man. And you never know what that guy was. You know what I'm talking about? Those episodes on X Files. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember. You know, that's the, you know, she's on point with, when she says that they did have a lot of episodes where they had more humor and it was, you know they were funnier and stuff like that. Um, but again, you know, the end of the series ended on a very serious tone. So I, you know, I, I personally think they should just continue with a serious tone in the movie series. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to see like you know, like she says, a spoof. Of the X Files, yeah, maybe let uh, the Zucker brothers or some you know somebody else do a spoof of the X Files. That'd be kind of funny, but not the original cast. Like maybe have Charlie Sheen playing Fox Mulder. That'd be pretty funny. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a long, a long time ago, um, when because uh, I far, really, far away. Well, yeah, pretty, pretty much could be. But uh, I haven't, I haven't been, I haven't been linked up with the ufology group in uh, in, in quite a few years now. But back when I was, uh, my brother and I, he's a big comedian, uh, and I'm, I'm the serious guy. He's a big comedian. I mean, he'll. He he has a comical attitude for anything, and sometimes it's a little uh, inappropriate if you, if you catch what I'm talking about. But he had an idea to go out and film and interview real alien abductions or real people that have, you know that are claiming to see anything paranormal, whether it be ghosts or Bigfoot or UFOs. And he always wanted to keep part of the show real serious with investigation but then do a reenactment and on the reenactment make it hilarious and funny and just downright just ignorant you know and he always had this idea for an alien abduction with some guy being being serious and you know crying and saying that the aliens were making them do this and making them do that but then in the reenactment having a guy you know dressed up in like a tutu and you know the aliens are making them marionette dance to you know something goofy in a tutu and uh, i told him i can't do that because i was taking it too serious and i was like dude you're gonna ruin my reputation but uh <laughs> it would have it would have been it would have been a funny show but i i don't think anybody would be claiming uh to see anything after that if it, if it would ever caught on <laughs> i could i cannot see you in a tutu my friend i'm sorry can't do it. Well, no, not not me. No, 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 no. No, like <laughs> say you go interview somebody, uh, and and then they say uh, you know they're telling you about all the stuff on camera. So you edit it out and you pull. You know you only pull off the dramatic stuff, but then you reenact right. the dramatic stuff to a comedy. But uh, but uh, in all seriousness, I was at a you. Uh, it was a MUFON convention. Uh, I've got a train passing through here. Hopefully the mic don't pick it up. But um, I had I was at a MUFON convention one time. And it was in Indiana, and this woman who was as serious as they come was talking about all these alien abductions that she had had, and you started to believe her, and she just didn't, because there's a lot of crazy people at these conventions, and I'm, I'm not going to lie, there there are, there are straight up crazy people, and, uh, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but there are some serious crazy people that you can just tell are lying and doing it for attention. So this lady gets up and she's given her credentials. I'm not going to say what she does for a profession, but it was it was uh, you know it it was a very a very good one. And so when you listen to her story and you hear her profession, you start to say, "Hey, this woman can't be lying because she's putting everything on the you know on the on the on the platter here." Uh, but she ends her story, and most of her stories are dramatic and kind of frightening and this and that. And you're kind of like, "Oh man, that's crazy. That's scary." But she ends it with telling a story about how she was at her house one day on her computer desk and her closet door opened up and I'm not kidding this is not made up she says that a group of gray aliens come out of the closet in the middle of the day okay and they come out of the closet and they look at her and then she looks at them and she says she doesn't feel frightened by them because they have sombreros on their heads and they start doing a Congo-like dance. And then for whatever reason, she's like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, you just already lost were these me. Mexican, were these Mexican aliens? <laughs> well, she says that they go around the room doing this dance. Now, I'm not kidding, man. And, I mean, she's standing in front of like 300 people telling the story. And I'm like, man, 
<laughs> but uh, she says that they come out of the closet. They just look at her and they do this dance. And then they go back in the closet. And then she's kind of scared when they go back in the closet because she's like, how the hell do they get in there? So she says she gets up, opens the closet, and they're not in there. And there's nothing else to that story. That's just that's just the story. And you know, I was just like, man, crazy. You know what would be you know what would be really crazy though, Brian? If uh, the day you know we actually have official first contact with aliens, the first thing they say when they come down from that ship is, "Motherfuckers, we're here to dance," and they just break out and start dancing. That'd be crazy. <laughs> that, you know, actually, the uh, that uh, the movie. Uh, uh, oh gosh. Um, the ah, oh, it's escaped my mind. It's uh the uh, uh not abductions of the third kind, close encounters of the third kind, uh, uh where the UFOs come in with the music and the lights and stuff. Right, I always right, thought right. that'd be really cool, you know, if a UFO just started blasting, uh, you know, lights and sounds, because you know there's a lot of UFO uh, accounts where they where they flash lights, but how cool would it be with you know? Say Skywatchers were up on a hill, and you know they're all sitting out there, bored out of their mind with their telescopes and their beer and whatever else they got out there. And here comes you know a UFO that's blasting light, and then it starts playing music. And what if, what if it starts playing music that is something that we know on the radio? I mean, how cool would that be for first contact? You know, as long as they don't play any Justin Bieber or Rebecca Black, we'll be okay. Well, uh, you know, and if. I actually, if there's any aliens listening, we're going to request it be a Michael Jackson song. There you go. Yeah, that no, that would be awesome. Oh, that would be, awesome. <laughs> be epic. Yes, it would. <laughs> the oh man! You know, one of the best videos that Michael Jackson ever did, I, as far as I'm concerned, was the video for Scream, where he, of course, is on board a UFO flying around in space. I always yes. love that video. Just for the symbology of the way he, you know, had the ship look, and funny enough, there's people who at one point thought that Michael Jackson was maybe uh, in cahoots with certain people who knew a little bit more than you know the rest of us, uh, or you know had spoken to a few people within you know secret societies or something uh, because of the way they designed that ship. They're they're saying that a lot of people that have reported being abducted on ships, you know, give descriptions very similar to the way that video put the ship together in the interior. Uh, so a lot of people were like, oh, maybe Michael Jackson knows more than he's telling. Would it would and be you, pretty funny you if can, that That would be, and I do know what you're talking about. I, I have followed a lot of the rumors and stuff, uh, especially with uh, secret societies and things like that. Um, but mm-hmm. you got to mention Janet Jackson in that video. Man, she was oh, so yeah. hot in that Amazing. video. Oh, yeah. oh man. But uh, yeah, the that you know, wouldn't that be cool though if he was trying to send out a public message to everyone, and uh, he just des- he decided to do it that way? How cool would that be? Well, it wouldn't shock me because that's what Michael did. I mean, he always did, um, you know, put symbols in his music. He put symbology. He put statements in his music. Uh, that's what he did. I mean, heal the world. Literally told you what he was trying to do. Yep. You know yep, what I mean? Yep. He, he always did it through his music. He, he This is the thing. You know, Michael Jackson was originally known as a singer who sang love songs, but in reality, he sang a lot of stuff that really weren't even love songs. They were really inspirational songs. There were songs about doing good, uh, you know, like, again, healing the world. Earth song. You know? Yeah, that's very true, man. That's very true. And, 
Man, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, one of the conspiracies, of which I thought was crazy, uh, speaking about Michael Jackson and uh, rumors and stuff, is I think two day, maybe a day or two days after he passed away, there were photographs going everywhere of, you know, the ghost of Michael Jackson. And one of yeah. them was brought up on uh, Larry King Live, and he had a, it looked like Michael Jackson, and but he had a yarmulke on his head. And whoever was bringing it up was laughing, saying, what, is uh, is Michael Jackson Jewish now? And I thought that was interesting because Michael Jackson was very involved in the Kabbalah. He was very good friends with Madonna. And uh, he did. there were some pictures of him reading. Uh, of course, he read the Bible, too, because he was a very big Christian. Uh, but he would actually read the Bible with a yarmulke on his head. And I thought that was crazy that in the ghost photo, he looks like he's got a yarmulke on his head. And uh, then in the interview where they went into his house uh, on video, you see something walk by. I'm sure you've seen that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah where yeah. it was in the house, yeah. Well, he definitely yeah. was uh, friendly with a lot of uh, you know Jewish folks. I mean, he, of course, uh, now it's become famous that he had relationship, close, friend, uh, close friendship uh, in relationship with uh, Rabbi Shmuley who recorded mm -hmm. a lot of audio of him and Michael Jackson just having conversations and kind of uh, doing therapy sessions with the Rabbi Shmuley. So, yeah, he definitely had a lot of friends within, you know, the, the Jewish community. And, uh, yeah, he definitely was involved in the Kabbalah. I mean, I, I heard him directly say it himself that he read the Kabbalah. And, and uh, he, he, but he, you know, Michael Jackson was a very religious guy from, you know, very, very little. Uh, I think he grew up a Jehovah's Witness, if I'm not mistaken, which, um, it's funny because I grew up a Jehovah's Witness also. Uh, he we completely went in different directions. I became atheist. He became, you know, Christian and <laughs> kept I up did with not his religion. That, <laughs> I did not know you grew up that way. I know you've mentioned a, you've mentioned being a part of a uh, the religion before, but I didn't know you grew up that way. That's it's interesting. Yeah, my family. It's funny. My most of my family is Jehovah's Witness on my dad's side. My mother's side, atheist. They don't really, they don't believe in anything. Uh, they'll go to like you know Catholic church and stuff or whatever. They'll go to church every once in a mm -hmm. while just to, you know, just to say, hey, if you really are up there, you know, forgive me for not coming to church every other time. Uh, so it's one of those, you know, just uh, the, just in case there is a God. You know, that's why they go to church. Uh, but you know, my dad's side is all Jehovah's Witness, and you know, my dad when I was little, my dad is kind of agnostic. He kind of believes it could be something, but he doesn't really care about religion. But his family members, you know, his sisters, brothers, they were really, you know, Jehovah's Witness to the, you know, they, were, they took that thing seriously. So they mm -hmm. actually got him to go to church when I was a kid, and he used to take me to church. And uh, for years, we would go to Jehovah's Witness church. And I think that's what converted me to atheism, uh, the fact that I was Jehovah's Witness. Uh, once, you go to the, once you go to Jehovah's Witness church, you'll become atheist right after, right after that. Once you start coming into reality and you start understanding things, and things start making sense to you, you start doing your own research on things, and you start, you know, once you reach a certain age where you can actually understand life, uh, you understand, you know, the Jehovah's Witness are just completely full of it, and you move on. That happens to a lot of folks. <laughs> Please direct all hate mail to the Jack. Not me now. I didn't say it. No. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Well, I actually, uh, I was best friends with a, with a girl in high school that was Jehovah Witness. And yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to bash anybody, but, uh, they, they done some pretty messed up stuff to her. And, uh, I actually, we became such good friends. We actually dated. And, uh, it was one of them weird things where I dated the girl and I wasn't sure I was really that attracted to her, although I loved her personality. I was afraid of losing her friendship. 
But uh, I, we fell in love with the, each other and everything, and the church came in the way. And it was one of them things where uh, they're like, you know, you're old enough that if you're going to date this girl and she's a Jehovah Witness, you got to be brought in. So I, I got involved a little bit with that church, and it went downhill real quick. And they did some things, I'm not going to say on the air, uh, that were very disturbing and child child services should have been called in on that church. But uh, I know not everybody's like that, but uh, I will say mm -hmm. something. I've noticed that when a Jehovah's Witness church is being constructed, they do it within like 48 hours. It is insane. Yes. How, how do they do yeah. that? <laughs> I have no idea. Egyptian technology, I think. You know what's funny? Though? I mean, they you know they what do. Was, what, one of the things that made me really turn away from the church, of the Jehovah's Witness church, uh, or the religion in general, was when I was a young kid, I was about 12 years old, 13 years old, uh, this is this is when I started to really start doing my you know I started doing my own research on religions and I actually started reading the Bibles and stuff because I never really read the Bible I just went to church and kind of heard what they were telling me so I was like yeah that's right God's good yeah Jesus is, yeah he walked on water good stuff you know and I just I just sat there and I just you know went along with the, with the story they were reading I didn't really pay attention as closely as to where I got to 13 14 years old then I started really doing my homework but when I was 12 13 years old around there. I had a really bad case of appendicitis, and I almost died from appendicitis. My appendix uh, got really, you know, it ballooned up, and I was literally, I was about maybe a couple hours away from death at one point. Mm. And the, the actual church leaders found out about it because, my, again, my parents used to go to church every weekend, and they actually did not want the doctors to operate on me because it was against, yeah. their, you know, their beliefs. So yep. literally they, were, they wanted me to die. If that was God's will, that's what they, they wanted it to happen. Uh, but they, they didn't want any medicine to be given to me. They didn't want any operations to you know to happen or anything like that. Uh, and I, literally, I almost died because of them. Uh, you know, it had, to, it had to take my mom to say, you know what, screw the church. Uh, give my boy some medicine before he dies. And, you know, my dad said, you know what, screw the church too. Let's give this boy some medicine before he dies. And, you know, they, they took me to the hospital and, you know, they were able to save my life. I didn't have surgery, but they were able to give me enough medicine that I didn't need surgery. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It was pretty bad, and my uncle went through the same thing. He had surgery, um, he had cancer removal surgery, and they wanted him to die and not have the surgery because it goes against their beliefs to have blood transfusions and and operations and all that stuff. It's against their belief. Uh, so literally, if you get sick, you're you're fucked. If you're Jehovah's Witness, you're screwed. You know. Yeah, no, I, man, and you're not the only person that's told me stories like that. And we're, we're not trying to get on a religious bash, guys. I see a few comments in the chat room, and people are like, uh, you know, maybe God invented medicine. And, uh, yeah, I, I believe that 100%. Um, I mean, that's that's totally within my structure and my religion. Uh, anything science uh, is knowledge. And, uh, as a matter of fact, I would, I would even go so further that anything that is pleasurable is is by God. Anything doesn't matter, and within that content, you got to keep in mind you can become addicted to anything, and anything too much of anything can become bad. So within the content, you know, you you can do whatever you want out there, but you just got to you, you know. I mean, people always like to say, "Oh, well, not everything can be good and evil," and yeah, it can. You can use a knife to cut butter, you know, and spread butter and put it on bread and feed somebody, or you can take a knife and perform surgery. Or you can take a knife and rob somebody, you know, in the subway <laughs> and stab them to death. You know, I mean, any, even healing, you know, even medicine. I mean, look at how many doctors out there, uh, you know, will blackmail someone or you get these uh, crackpots that uh, uh, get somebody hooked on pain medicine and then they become the, uh, you know, they become the uh, the drug supplier. I mean, that, that's yeah. actually very common in the nursing field right now is uh, 
is pain pills prescriptions being tampered with and sold not by the druggies but by the nursing staff and doctors. And most most people, I, I don't think notice that. Yeah, that gosh, I don't know. You know, I don't know what that guy's thinking. That, that guy, that guy's a jerk. Honestly, I mean, what doctor? doctor does what, is what he did? Yeah, what doctor does not know CPR? I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really? That guy should never be allowed to practice medicine anywhere on the planet again. But look, sticking to this uh, God and religious topic, I have actually a story that deals with God, religion, and extraterrestrials. Uh, this story is from MSNBC, and it reads, If intelligent extraterrestrials exist, well, what about God? Experts say it. encountering yeah, it says experts say encountering ET would po- would pose religious dilemmas, especially for Christians. Uh, and this is coming out right from Orlando, Florida. They wrote the story. It says the discovery of intelligent aliens would be mind blowing in many respects, but it could present a special dilemma for the world's religions. Theologists theologians uh, pondering in interstellar travel concepts said Saturday that uh and this is Last Saturday, Christians in particular might take a, take the news the hardest because the Christian belief system does not easily allow for other intelligent beings in the universe. Christian thinkers said on 100-year Starship Symposium, a meeting sponsored by the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency to discuss issues surrounding traveling to other stars. In other words, and I quote here, it says, Did Jesus die for Klingons too? As philosophy professor Christian Wilderman of Germany's uh, university uh, titled uh, his uh, talk at the panel at the uh, philosophical and religious considerations of visiting other worlds. Uh, so he brought up the question, did Jesus die for the Klingons too? Did he die for us and for all the other aliens? Now according to Christianity, an historic event some 2,000 years ago was supposed to save the whole of creation. Widerman said, you can grasp the conflict... Really? I mean, you can, actually. Uh, here, Here's the, how the debate goes. If the whole of creation includes 125 billion galaxies with hundreds of billions of stars in each, as astronomers think, then what if some of these stars have planets with advanced civilizations, too? Why would Jesus Christ have come to Earth of all the inhabited planets in the universe to save Earthlings and abandon the rest of God's creatures? Aliens and religions can still coexist, Wilderman, a self-described Christian, suggested. Some possible solutions, perhaps extraterrestrials aren't sinners like humans and therefore aren't in need of saving. However, the principle of mediocrity, uh, the idea that your own example is most likely typical unless you have evidence of the contrary, uh, casts doubts on this, he points out. And I quote here again, he says, if, there's, if there are extraterrestrial intelligent beings at all, it is safe to assume that most of them are sinners too, Wilderman said. If so, did Jesus die for them too? My, my position is no. If so, our position amongst intelligent beings in the universe would be very exceptional. Another possibility is that God incarnated multiple times, sending a version of himself down uh, to save each inhabited planet separately. However... Based on the best guesses of how many civilizations we might expect to exist in the universe and how long planets and civilizations are expected to survive, 
God's incarnation would have had about to be about 250 places simultaneously at any given time, assuming each incarnation took about 30 years, Walderman calculated. And he said, religious religions are food for thought. And it's, he's not kidding. Uh, that is food for thought. So what if God incarnated himself in 250 different places simultaneously to save 250 different races at a time? Well... Um, actually, um, if I'd like to throw in a little bit of things here, I've been to several, if you want to call them round table meetings with, uh, preachers, priests and rabbis, even, even from the Catholic church, uh, priests coming in from there and discussing this. And I, 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 I do not agree that, and there's a lot of Christians that would agree with this too. I do not agree that, uh, the, I'm going to watch how I word this, the sacrifice of Jesus was to purify all of creation i think that uh the majority of christians would say that it was to purify humans and the human soul now i and the roundtable discussions were always uh that i'm bringing up were about aliens god and so on and that is not the problem that most christians have believe it or not the problem if there's aliens and they come out you know the problem is that the christian view is that humans are the greatest creation that God loves. That is the problem. Okay? Right. Now, because then you've got two you got two aspects according to the Christian faith, and that is you gotta ask, were these other alien races before humans or after humans? And if you find if you find yourself saying, Oh yeah, there's thousands of species of aliens, but they were before us, then according to the Christian religion, you end up getting like a, you know, you, you, you end up getting a um, kind of a, a Naziistic view, if, if you will, where the Christians will then say, oh, but humans are the greatest loved creation. You see what I'm saying? See where that can... Right. <laughs> you, get, you get a race that thinks that their, their ego becomes bad and, and so on and so forth. Um, that right there was always the discussion. That right there was always the main point of of a war of religions, if you will. And um, aliens are, you got you to look at it like this. If aliens are intellectual, and if they are emotional, because emotion plays a big part in, uh, in religion, if, as long as they are emotional and intellectual, they will have their own religion. Okay? They have to. They have to have their own philosophy and religion. Now, yeah, it's possible that they become smart enough or develop over time and they drop the religion. But at one point in their history, they should have had a religion, as long as they're emotional creatures. Um, it's just it's just a common thing. So I mean, and that's you know that's you know it's it's kind of like the Stephen Hawking's uh, thing where he said, according to evolution, technically everything is out to survive, everything is out to adapt. Therefore, if you take that equation, you know if there's aliens that come here, they're going to kill us all and <laughs> take our resources. And <laughs> and I agree with him. To a point, but, you know, that's looking at the first equation in evolution. Um, eventually, eventually within evolution, we do see that there is what we call symbiotic relationships, where two different complete creatures, completely different species, work hand in hand. And so you can argue, yeah, that's evolution. You can argue, yeah, that's creation. Uh, that's, you know, God is somehow uh, showing you that, you know, two complete creatures can be friendly. And uh, most people like to say cat and dog can get along or something like that, or the lion and the lamb can get along, things like that. But uh, in nature is what you want to look for. 
And uh, th there's examples all around the world of animals doing that. So um, you have to also, you'd have to say, hey, there's going to be nice aliens. There's going to be aliens that want to get along with the human race. But uh, right. the, the whole the whole Jesus thing, man, I don't think that that's with, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say that Jesus died for all of creation because he didn't die for my cat and dog. You know what I mean? Well, you know, and here's the thing. I don't know, really, I never really understood the whole concept of him dying on the cross uh, to purify the human soul. I mean, that never really uh, made much sense to me to begin with. You know, what does he dying on the cross have to do with purifying the human soul? Um, nothing. I mean, I saw the movie, the, the Christ movie uh, with Mel Gibson directed, uh, Passion of the Christ. It was nothing more than a two-hour snuff flick. Uh, this guy got his ass beat for two hours and then he got put on a cross, but how is that purifying the human race? I, I still don't get that. Yeah, he became a martyr uh, for humanity, I guess, but how is that purifying anything? And it's not like people have been pure since he died 2,000 years ago. Uh, there's been a lot of evil motherfuckers throughout the last 2,000 years. You know, oh, yeah. So we're not very really oh, yeah. pure. You know, I, I'm not really a believer in the whole Christ story. It's like everything. I, You know, the movie Zeitgeist made a lot of sense to me at the very beginning where they compared Christ to the other demigods uh, from the past, like Horus and uh, Dionysus and all the other gods that, you know, have inhabited this planet at one point or another or considered demigods at one point or another. Uh, there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't really buy into the uh, whole philosophy that Jesus actually was a guy who walked the earth and died for our sins and all that jazz. There's no proof to it. I mean, there there really isn't, except for a bunch of religious people who think there were. And Jewish people don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They don't. They just well, I they, mean, the Orthodox Jews prophet. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. Right, well, you guys don't don't believe. Yeah, that. a lot of, and I would say probably ninety. I'll, I'll throw out ninety percent conservatives don't believe it either. But yeah, there yeah. there are some conservative messianic Jews that do believe in it. But uh, yeah, I mean, and, and to answer to answer your thing about the purification, just to throw it out there so I don't get any hate mail. Um, the whole the whole concept, the whole concept comes from Cain and Abel. Uh, right. The the first real murder, the first real sin, and from then on, they like to say. Uh, both Jews and Christians like to say that that is when true sin became action rather than thought. Now, the thought, of course, would be the Garden of Eden and the fall of man and yada, yada, yada. So, because because Cain killed Abel and there was blood on the ground, we got the law of blood. And you'll hear that all the time through Jewish and through Christian. Uh, and the Muslims even talk about it too. They call it the law of blood where everything on this earth has to live by something dying. Even plants. Uh, and a lot of people go, no, wait a minute. Plants use sunlight, yeah, but they use fertilizer. And what, you know, fertilizer is decaying material, so it's death. Um, right. And when you look at it like that, you know, you start to see science. And, uh, you know, I don't like, well, yeah, I don't like to, I, I don't <laughs> like to look at religion with just, you know, the dogma stuff. I like to, I like to take the science and then take the religion and try to mesh them together. That's just me. But, um, well, within the whole thing, the the you know the God of Israel came came in and he was like, hey, you know, you're sinful, and you have to put your sin on something else and kill it so that you're you get rid of that. So that's where they start sacrificing rams and lambs, and not very many people know this, but when they would sacrifice them, they'd lay their hand on it and they they would thought transfer, if you will. Whatever it is that they did throughout the year or throughout the month or the week, and they'd say, I'm giving this action to this creature, which is a lamb, and they'd kill the lamb. And that was symbolic of taking your sin 
putting it into you know something else, killing it, it's gone. It's the law of blood. So that's where that's why we get that's why we call Jesus the nickname the divine lamb. There you go, guys. We're gonna take a quick commercial break before we come back to wrap, wrap up the show. Uh, we, you know, if anybody wants to call in, we had a couple callers that couldn't get through because we we're deep in conversation. I didn't get to them on time. Apologize about that. If you guys want to get in, 786-245-8127 uh, is the number. Please call on in. We have a few more minutes left, and uh, we will be taking your calls. But we're going to go to a quick break here, and uh, we'll be back on Skywatchers Radio. Seems a little longer every way. Love's a little stronger, come what may. Do you ever long for true love from me? researchers in the world. Exclusive information that cannot be found anywhere else on the planet. Trusted, connected, accurate. TheUFOStore.com. Expand your personal library with fast shipping and instant downloadable information from the largest selection of UFO products on the internet by going to TheUFOStore.com or call on the 24-hour, 7-day-a-week order line at 541-523-2630. The truth is out there, and TheUFOStore.com has it. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California Gold Rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A. A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. By the Glass. By the Glass is a show about beverage culture. Brad Hubbard. What I'm going to do is I'm going to connect the dots on how everything works together. It's really all about how we enjoy things, how we enjoy life, and how beverages play a big part in that. I'm going to bring in people that are going to display their aspect of the culture. I'm going to bring in people that are going to show you different products. We're going to look at places where people go to consume these beverages and how they all interact. Things are built around the actual beverage itself. By the Glass. Thursdays from 6 to 7. Only on SoFlo Radio. All systems are functional. I'm going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the new king of radio. Is there life on other planets? This is nuclear physicist Matt Friedman, and now I'm a voice in the Jackal's head. It's the government keeping secrets from us. This is Stephen Bassett, and uh, I am now a voice inside the Jackal's head. Want to find out more? Listen to the Jackal's head on the Soup Media Network. Discount Comic Book Service, where you can save 40 to 75% off on new comics, collected editions, graphic novels, action figures, statues, and other one-of-a-kind items from DC, Marvel, Image, Dark Horse, Boom Studios, Top Cow, Dynamite, and many, many more. 
go to www.dcbservice.com for easy ordering and fast delivery. Or you can visit our brick and mortar location at 10202-C Coldwater Road in Fort Wayne, Indiana. DCBS, welcome home. Listening to Skywatchers Radio, and uh, I am your co-host Brian McComas, and uh, we've got our other co-host Angel Espino on. Angel, how you doing, buddy? Ah, uh, hanging in there, my friend. Hanging in there. We're almost ready to wrap up the show tonight. Uh, man, two hours go by so quick on these shows. It's it's amazing how quickly, um, you know, it ends. Yep, so yep, yep. The show. Yep, and uh, I'll tell you what, man. I, I've had I've had fun. We've now we've covered a lot of stuff today. We've covered Michael Jackson. We've covered some some religious politics uh, on you know what if. We've covered JFK. Uh, man, I mean, we we went over a lot of stuff. We did go over a lot of stuff. Uh, amazing stuff. Also, this uh, question that we let you know ended up before we went to break on uh, the extraterrestrial question. Uh, about what about God, if extraterrestrials do exist, uh, you know, just to end the uh, end that topic. Uh, here's the thing: just because there's extraterrestrials out there doesn't mean there is no God, and let's make that one. Let's make it very clear. Uh, let's talk about God with a big G first of all. God with a big G is above everything and all existence as we know it. Correct? That would be God yeah, with a big yeah. G. That's the ultimate creator of everything. The heavens, the earth, the universe, the skies, the planets, the galaxies, uh, other dimensions, string theory, everything. That, that God created everything, right? That's the big G God. That's the, the mythical God. Well, just because there's aliens doesn't mean that, that God doesn't exist. But we also have to keep in perspective of what God with the little G is. Because there also could be a chance, and of course the Sumerians talked about this, about our particular creators not being big G God, but being a race of aliens, and um, I think that will bring a little bit more of a turmoil to the religious sects and, and sectors in this planet uh, than just the notion of extraterrestrials being out there. Uh, what if we found out that extraterrestrials created mankind as we know it? I think that would be more shocking. That's mm-hmm. I think, something that, that is a little bit more of a reason why we don't know the whole truth. I think there's a lot more truth to that than meets the eye, so to speak, to, you know, use a good pun from Transformers. But in reality, uh, if you, you know, religion, if you look at religion, and we're talking about religion for a little bit there, look at all religious works, uh, and then you compare it to, like, the Sumerian texts, they're very similar, dude. They're very, very similar. Oh, I agree. The difference is, 
the only the only difference is the Sumerians were talking about aliens being our gods and not you know a mystical god. Uh, but they're very similar. But again, it doesn't take away from the fact that there could be a god with a big G that created even the aliens that created us. And one day, you know, we're creating animals and stuff, and we're creating stuff in laboratories. We've, you know, we, we play God ourselves. Every time there's a test tube baby born, guess what? That doctor played God and created a life in laboratory. He played God. So, you know, the definition well, and, of God is uh, different in many different ways. Yeah, and really quick, just to touch on something that blows everybody's mind. Um, I'm, I'm studying myself as a history major, and the Sumerian text is called cuneiform. And, of course, most people say it's Sumerian text, but it's called cuneiform. It had 600 characters to its alphabet. And not numbers, characters. Our alphabet is 26. Most of the world's languages are around 25, 26 characters in their alphabet. So you imagine for a minute having a language where you have 600, not 60, 600 characters. And imagine all the infinite knowledge and and things that could be just done and just the the mistranslations that could happen if you screwed mm-hmm. up just one of those characters. So, you know, put, put that in perspective for a minute. You know, our alphabet in the English language is 26 characters. Imagine 600. And, uh, you know, that's something to kind of blow everybody's mind and food for thought. Think about it a little bit. Indeed. Guys, we're almost out of time here on Skywatchers Radio. Unfortunately, you know, we're down to the last few minutes. Uh, I want to thank everybody who's listened in through uh, Shotcast, TalkStream Live, our website, P, you know, psn-radio.com. Uh, of course, our main website here on Skywatchers, skywatchersradio.com, and all over the Internet. Thank you guys for listening in. Uh, it's been a pleasure to co-host with you, Brian, tonight. Uh, you know, it's been a while since you and I have been on air co-hosting together, and uh, this has been awesome, man. I really enjoyed my time tonight with you. Oh, man, yeah, same here, same here, and uh, uh, again, this is the first time that we've actually been on Skywatchers uh, Radio, but mm-hmm. we, we have been on radio before on uh, several other programs, um, and uh, man, anytime you want to jump in here and do it, uh, you're, you're you know, more than welcome, you, you are an awesome manager, and uh, man, I, you know, I mean, I just can't, I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm stuttering because I don't even know how to say it, but you're an awesome technical uh, assistant, a manager, a producer, um, you're, you're one of my really good friends and, uh, uh, love to, uh, hear you on here. And maybe we can do a round table, uh, when Suzanne is feeling a little bit better and get all of us on here, maybe one other time or something like that. That'd be cool. But, uh, man, I had a blast. And Suzanne will be back next week. Uh, hopefully, of course, pending on her health, she's a little bit under the weather. So, uh, hopefully she gets better by next show next week and she'll be back here on Skywatchers Radio with you, Brian. Uh, guys, it's been an honor. It's been a pleasure. Brian, you want to do the honors and uh, the pleasantries for the end of the night? Um, well, I'm going to go ahead and let you do that if you don't mind, but I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that everyone uh, tune in definitely uh, next time on uh, Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. I believe it's 9 p.m. on the West Coast. Is that right? It's that uh, right. Yes, yes. See, I got it right. And uh, you're it. listening to SkywatchersRadio.com. There you go, skywatchersradio.com, everybody. This is PSN Radio. Stay tuned for more radio after this show. And, of course, this uh, weekend, the Jackal's Head will be live again, so please stick around for that. Uh, Till next time, guys, Skywatchers Radio, out. Peace. Midnight in the desert Shooting stars across the sky 